second time i'm talking to you today yeah we had um we had a nice little check-in on the airwaves of uh, desmond cole's show and in that conversation it struck me that we haven't actually talked about this what we're about to talk about Mm -hmm. in the introduction desmond mentioned that we talked about this on our show last week and of course we had actually recorded before and it felt very prescient uh editing and listening again to that to that tape after the news of what had happened in Toronto last Monday had broke. Yeah, so thanks Desmond for having us on today on his radio show on News Talk 1010, which airs every Sunday at 4. For some reason, you know, like I, uh, it feels like we, we we were talking about it. Everything just feels so related that it, it does feel like we've talked about it, but we, we haven't talked about this. So we are going to be talking about the mass murder that happened in Toronto uh, just one week ago by a man named Alec Nisanian, who struck several people with a rental van that he was driving, attempting to hit as many people as possible. Many were killed. Many were are still in the hospital. And it's all related to some of the stuff that we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, this week we're going to focus on misogyny in the manosphere, I assume. Or we're going to talk about the, the ways that the organizing online, especially with respect to, you know, the anti-women stuff, has serious real-life consequences if we don't take that shit seriously. Salik Manassian... Uh, we know now uh, probably hates women, uh, probably targeted women in the attack. Uh, certainly eight out of ten of the victims were women. I think it's also important to note that three of the victims were very old. And I just I can just imagine like people uh, obviously unable to get out of the path of a speeding van fast enough being more uh, at risk of, of death. Um, of course, his his trajectory was a, f- a full kilometer along Young Street, up about up around Finch, and and he has since been celebrated uh, by communities online of men who believe that women who have scorned them uh, deserve violence. And this, of course, um, replicates the way that. Elliot Roger was celebrated again online by these hateful men when he uh, committed mass murder and subsequently killed himself in California. He he killed um, his roommates and and a bunch of people and and said left a video behind explaining that uh, he was doing this because of women who refused to give him sex. And despite all the evidence that we have that, that suggests that Manassian was driven by uh, similar ideals of Elliot Roger, and in fact he even referenced Elliot Roger in a Facebook post just before he committed the, the murder, uh, there's still a lot of people, who uh, a lot of national columnists, who are trying to do their best to make 
what happened in Toronto be an isolated incident. And uh, and I think that that is what I find most troubling, the uh, number of prominent voices who still refuse to listen to women, listen to racialized people, listen about our experiences online and how none of this is random actually that 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 everybody is influenced by something that forces in the world touch all of us and in this case there was a force that convinced Manassian to organize and commit mass murder and i i just i'm really shocked actually by well i say i'm shocked i'm actually not at all shocked but what what do people what are these folks like and I guess I can name a bunch of them, but I don't really know it's, if it's that that worth it. But what do people get by such aggressive defense of the status quo? Why don't you just explain exactly what you're referencing, like what was said that is so uh, objectionable? Well, there's 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 a there's a couple of national columnists who are who insist that um, that it is to play politics to talk about the role that misogyny played in this or the role that. Well, actually, they're mostly focusing on the on the question of his misogyny. There, I haven't really seen anyone uh, call out conversations about urban planning and making that intersection more safe. I just wrote an article about all of the other forces that that really create social isolation and and uh, that seem like Manassian was caught up in, like precarious work and and tuition fees for for college students and how expensive it is and how hard it is to find good work. I haven't seen anyone say that that's playing politics, but it is apparently playing politics when we say that Manassian, who's part of this involuntary celibacy movement, quote unquote, of of men who feel scorned by women, that he, in that name, went out and committed mass murder. Right. Uh, and it's, Are you talking about the Kays, Barbara Kay and Jonathan Kays articles? There's the Kays, there's Stephen Marsh, there's... Um, Michael Enright? I'm not sure if it was Wente or if it was uh, uh, the other one, Blatch, but there was one, another trash women columnist that said some garbage. I think DeMano said some trash as well. <laughs> like, just name. Yeah, you just like named a bunch of people who I couldn't bring myself to read this week because I was so upset by this. But um, yeah, I've seen some of the commentary. You know, I've seen excerpts, certainly, of uh, of some of the articles. And yeah, it is it is like really strange the amount of hoops that people will jump through to try to deny that this... Uh, has no connection to misogyny when it's like just so very clear. It's right in front of our faces. It's right here. Um, and I'm not really sure what purpose that serves uh, beyond wanting to believe that what that it's not possible here that misogyny hasn't been gone in here. Like I just don't really understand why that that weird frame of reference. Beyond our society just uh, supports or does not support, uh, you know, believing, taking women seriously when we're saying like, uh, hello, this thing is happening here. And I, you know, it makes me wonder what it's going to take, because as you say, this is like connected to so many things that have happened, you know, in the past. It's today on uh, Desmond's show. I was referencing, you know, what some people online have begun to call the manosphere, which is like the hateful corners of the internet where misogynist men in particular tend to organize. 
And this world of the incels, it is related to the world of MRAs, the men's rights associations, the pickup artists, and all of these gross online groups who target women both online and off. There's countless examples of this happening. So I don't know why we would try to jump through hoops to pretend that mis- misogyny has doesn't play a role here. Like, I just... <laughs> the, what the fuck? Yeah. P- part of it, part of it is, is women are more free than we have been, you know, in relative terms, I think, in a lot of ways, right? Like, you know, we're more represented in the workforce and our earning capacity is higher and, you know, it's uh, a pregnancy is not a death sentence uh, or a life sentence. Uh, for some. Well, I was going to say for, for everybody, obviously, it's not the, the case. It's It's getting better. And so I wonder if, how much of this is also to just consistently try to remind us of our place uh, and enforce enforce patriarchy uh, on uh, on women in every aspect of their online lives, which is increasingly more their lives. Mm-hmm. And so you have um, you have public policy that uh, ravages women still you have Mm -hmm. uh, you have a a murder crisis of uh, indigenous women and girls especially but of Mm -hmm. other racialized women there's a a labor crisis of of undocumented women and and other crises within border services that disproportionately harms women um, Mm -hmm. especially if you know they're coming to Canada and they're fleeing domestic violence and the, the state is like well domestic violence you know that happens here too, so we're going to deport you. <laughs> yeah. And and so you've got all of these things happening at the macro, and we, you and I, know about them and can talk about them, but this intense targeting online is, is the micro, is to make sure that for every woman that might feel more liberated than they would have felt a generation ago, that every instance of everything they do online is actually the new location of policing and is the new location of making sure that we do not step out of line. And for most people, I think, uh, it's enough to not want to get attacked to say, okay, well, I will self-censor. I will I will be careful about what I write online. Not careful because I'm going to say something that is offensive or incorrect or something like that, but careful just to not put myself out there to to, to get all of this hate that is relentless and that you can see other people experiencing all the time. Oh yeah, I was asked to um to write something uh, this week for a publication, and uh, the editor I was working with sent sent back at one point. You know, you you tell this story about uh, women of color who were organizing against uh, men's rights associations. Can you just uh, name some of the names so that we can just put that in the article? And I was like, no, I don't think that I can. Yeah, I don't think that I can. I understand what you're trying to do here, like to make sure that uh, people get, you know, people know who are the folks who are organizing. But to be quite frank, those people went through a lot during that time after being targeted and, you know, I'm I'm already feeling like, OK, well, when this article comes out, if it comes out, I'm probably going to be subject to some attack for a little bit if the guys in the manosphere find it. And I don't want to just put other people's names in there 
uh, without talking to them first because I don't know what supports they have to be able to deal with something like that. So absolutely, that's part of the chill that is driving these men to really try to terrify women out of speaking about speaking about or living just freely. And it, it's actually, it's quite terrifying. You know, for someone like myself, when I, the first time I encountered this kind of vitriol from men who organize on the internet was when men's rights associations were organizing at the University of Toronto. And surprise, surprise, it wasn't students that were really doing the organizing. They had somehow, through some loophole, managed to exploit some policy of the University of Toronto and a bunch of men who were not students who had no connection to the campus set up an official campus group to organize a men's rights association. And we were alerted by a student who had heard of one of their events um, and had gone to one of their events where they were talking about forms of acceptable rape. And in fact, saying that rape was justified if a woman engaged in mind rape first, so like if a woman dresses suggestively, that there were, it's obviously not mine, yeah. If a woman dresses suggestively and then turns a man down who asks, who, you know, so asks for sex or whatever, I don't know, turns a man down, rebuffs a man, then that is what they called like mental rape. And so, and it is justifiable at that point to then rape her in response. My God. So this is, this is what we're hearing. That was the first thing that we had heard. And it was like, okay, so they're having events on campus about this. Like they're teaching, trying to teach like this new way of thinking about how to engage with women. And, uh, you know, this, this man, a, a young student, right came to my office um, at the students union being like, oh my God, Sandy, I went to this thing. I had no idea what it was. I just thought it was like this, that like I, you guys really need to know that this is what's happening on campus. I'm like, okay. So we, you know, alerted the administration who just thought it was like, you know, ridiculous that, you know, that we would be concerned about this. You know, this is a campus free speech, you know, like they, they're allowed to say whatever they want. They're mostly on the internet. They're mostly not even, uh, Canadian, like, why are we worried about these groups? They just really didn't take us seriously. And, you know, while this is happening, some of our, our actions against this, this group start to get, you know, more physical. They bring a, um, a rape apologist to campus for a huge speech, and a rally is organized and by uh, feminists on campus and women's groups and um, allies and supporters and they take these men's rights associations took as many pictures as they could at this event and started putting photos up of the women who were rallying and saying these women are in Toronto they live near the University of Toronto campus find them stalk them take photos report back and that's what they did oh my god that's what they did i remember i was so afraid cuz i was getting phone calls every day I was getting emails I was getting uh, my social media was being attacked from these people and like I had a job and I had to go to class and I had to walk home at night when class finished at like 10 11 o'clock at night and 
oftentimes, like, we would open the door and there would be a man there with a camera. Or a man with a camera would just walk into the office and just sit in the hallway taking pictures of all the women. Mm-hmm. Or they would just follow us down the street, like, when we were, like, walking to the library. It was ridiculous. And what is the purpose of that beyond, exactly as you say, trying to say, okay, women... If you say anything about this, there are going to be consequences. Wouldn't it be better if you just shut up? That's the chill that they were trying to bring to us. Exactly. And quite frankly, I think that it worked on some folks. Like, and of course, like people are afraid for, you know, people are afraid for their, for their safety. I was afraid for my safety. It was, it was terrifying. Yeah. I was, uh, I was struck, uh, on uh, I don't know Wednesday or Thursday and I was seeing uh, a bunch of male politicians and journalists posting pictures of their children you know really proud and cute children and I was just like I cannot post pictures of my children on Twitter ever because I do not want someday a picture of one of these of my kids coming back with some sort of message like it's like that level of 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 normal life that's affected by it and and how like that, that, that's the going thinking about the person that 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 does influence to change the way that they interact with politics or interact with their surroundings or their work or their colleagues at one level you know you can't blame them obviously like we all have to take safety precautions that are um that are the the ones that we that we think we we need to to do to protect ourselves but what a shame like what about what about their free speech (laughs) like what about their their right to security and then you know this of course all connects to uh questions about terrorism and how uh people were wringing their hands uh you know, the the barbara k's of the world hoping that it was islamic terrorism and being Jesus. sad that it wasn't what, what an awful fucking person i know she's such like, what, are, what what type of piece of shit do you have to be that that is your one one of your first thoughts among your first thoughts is that you want it to be Muslim terror like go fuck yourself what the hell well what kind of I- trash editor <sighs> looks at that and says oh yes this is very good we're gonna publish this uh and be and, and then be what type liable. of trash newspaper yeah. fucking publishes it it's just like trash all around yeah yeah well Jesus let's not forget that the head of CBC opinions is a former men's rights association you know speaker right <laughs> Like you can find you can find uh, uh, her uh, speaking at one of these events and uh, in its trash as well. <laughs> like it's it's available on the Internet. Yeah. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about her. <laughs> well, you know, I think that the, the most important thing that we can do in a, after a, a crisis like as what happened is point to all of the mainstream ways that. That it's acceptable to do this to women, to terrorize women. That it is acceptable to silence women, uh, or silence uh, critics, and 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 not of the free speech, like bizarro world level critics, but actual critics who criticize power. Right? Like the political spectrum is is kind of meaningless. Right? It's like it's not really left versus right. It's like those who are. Uh, who have proximity to power and who maintain the status quo with their writing or their thinking or their work, and those of us who don't. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. 
that's like that's that. the, that's the political spectrum. That's a really that's an excellent way to put it. Yeah, one hundred percent. I like that a lot. Well, and so anyone like the further away you are from power, the more difficulty you have a challenging power. That's a, that is a classic and basic uh, litmus test of where you stand uh, politically, right? And mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it's the folks who are maintaining the status quo who often are the ones complaining about censorship the loudest as if they're being censored, which they are obviously not. But it's like a beachhead, right? Like you have someone like, here's a Quebec example. You have someone like Lise Ravary who writes a column in um, the Journal de Montréal about uh, hijab day and and how disgusting it is that there's this celebration of this oppressive uh, symbol uh, at a a school board, at a school event and how dare the school board do this. And so she puts this into a newspaper, becomes legitimate. And then the far right organizes so um, effectively, which is just to like threaten the school board, uh, that the event gets canceled. And so oh, that there's no, and so this is, wow. yeah, this has been just uh, today's news oh, uh, in Montreal. Huh. And and so it's, it's like you've got these like little uh, shit writers, shit thinkers uh, who are paid to, to shit nothing out of their minds and put it on paper and shit heads will read it <laughs> and and it just just it's the small slices of justification for the far extreme violence that we see and 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 if, you know, as, as you talk about a lot uh that these expressions of violence are they're shocking and they're horrible but they are far from our biggest concern our biggest concern is the structural violence that is happening all the time against people that often mm-hmm. gets ignored. Well, and it makes this type of violence possible. Of course. It creates the conditions for this type of, of violence to occur. And this, you know, the, the 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 rhetoric that's been coming out since the attack on Monday in the news, a lot from American media um, of, of this being like such a weird thing to happen in, in Toronto, in Canada... Uh, no, not just from American media, actually. it's It's been, like, everywhere. It's been, like, you know, the Canadian mythology of, like, uh, you know, oh, this, this type of stuff doesn't happen here is just so offensive. It's like, sorry, this type of stuff is happening here. Like, the misogyny is killing people here, maybe not as quickly and as concentrated as in this particular event, but... This whole society doesn't take women seriously and so allows things like um, a fucking crisis of murdered and missing Indigenous women to happen. It allows uh, for, for the terrible ways that women in the last few months, as you've talked about before, have been killed in domestic disputes I I can't even call it that like domestic violence uh fucking just you know hateful shit um in their families in the last few months that hasn't been discussed as like uh, a crisis but it is one like these things happen here and it's just it's so Mm -hmm. many commentators are using it to be a political thing in another way um, to say that, you know, this is something that doesn't happen here or this is so strange or, um, you know, like in Canada, these types of things are, are, are never seen. 
that's that's a political way of talking about this as well. In order to to make it seem as though the experiences that many women who live here go through, but just aren't valued enough to show up on on a television, um, you know, that's a way of erasing those experiences and. Quite frankly, our society is structured so that something like this can happen. It is. And that's something that we need to grapple with. Well, and and, and can happen uh, can happen because of bad urban planning, which is also a thing that, that people have been fighting against for years in Toronto. Uh, it can happen because people are completely starved of community in real life and the internet is often the only way that you can meet people who have similar interests of you like to what extent was Manassian radicalized by a forum of people who are all looking for like uh this downward spiral of of self-reinforcing anti-women sentiment um, and and as you say as well, this the this this these myths of of Canadian exceptionalism that are that are just they're just not true no matter how you cut it. Like the the number of people who are talking about how remarkable remarkable it was that that Manassian wasn't killed when he was arrested. It's like sorry, let's think about the last three mass murders in Canada. Who was killed when the police were were taking these people out? Mark Lepin killed himself. And Alexandre Bissonnette turned himself in. So this is not exceptional. Actually, this is quite in line with a white man uh, killing a targeted terror attack against an identifiable group of people, and the police don't kill him. And there's a lot of good reasons why the police shouldn't be killing people, mostly that they that's not their job. They're not the judge, jury, and executioner. But that mm-hmm. narrative that 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 arose last week as well, it's like like part of it, I get that people are looking for a good news story because of how horrible the news was on Monday. But mm-hmm. it's like in times of crisis, like we really do need to be sharp with our emotions and our and our critical thinking. And, you know, p- people who are in direct mourning are absolutely should be dealing with that and, and, and taking all of the time and the space that they need to, to do that work. But people who are who are sad that this was an attack on their city, I heard someone say, like, imagine after Ecole Polytechnique, the message that came out was Montreal strong and not what we know it to be today, which is the, uh, you know, a day in commemoration of, uh, of action and commemoration against violence against women. But of course, even that was a massive fight for feminists to make December 6th into what we understand it to be today. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, the desire to have a good news story is uh, something that does affect part of this, like uh, the desire to see some goodness, some humanity or something in response to what's happening. And that is happening. You know, like I mm-hmm. one of our listeners, uh, Sarone Gabresalasi, who is a lawyer, has set up a pro bono helpline to assist people. Um, who've been affected you know some some of the the people who organized a vigil straight away like the you know I wasn't able to attend uh, though I really did want to this is a community that I grew up in Um, you know some of the the photos coming out of that the the ways that people were coming together you know those are things that we can talk about but to say things like oh you know officer Kenneth Lamb is a hero because he didn't kill this man like doesn't 
it not only does it not make sense, it's just it is so frustrating as someone who is a Black Lives Matter activist who talks a lot about the police to see an attack like this, a mass murder like this used to politically spin support towards the police. Like it just it's just so frustrating to me. Like that's not that shouldn't be the takeaway. Take no, of course, uh, you know, it's not the job of the police to execute people mm -hmm. without, mm -hmm. you know, uh, them going through whatever process they're supposed to go through. And, um, you know, as I've been saying to many people this week, I was reminded by another listener of ours, Abdullahi, that um, Officer Kenneth, Kenneth Lamb uh, was on the stand during the Andrew Loku inquest and made statements to try to justify the use of force that was used against Andrew Loku in which Andrew Loku was killed okay so um and the the comments that Kenneth Lamb made were highly anti-black talking about um his hair in ways that did not make sense um you know like referencing a black man's hair as uh, disheveled and by that clarifying that he meant that it was like it wasn't shaved down properly or something like that and calling him childlike um, I, you know, in, in reference to perhaps his mental health status, I'm not sure. It was outrageous. The people who were there witnessing the inquest at the time were really frustrated. And so we have to like this, this man, this very man that, you know, those of us who, who are like paying attention in community and know what's going on have to see people talking about him as a, as a hero after he justified the killing of a black man in Toronto, in this city, for merely not killing someone else, which is like the, it's like the standard, like what he should not be mm -hmm. doing. There's, the not, there's no above and beyond there that's like yep. adequate and satisfactory behavior. Like I just, I don't understand. And to use this situation to erase the concerns that other people have been bringing up about the ways that the police don't keep, keep us safe is uh, really concerning to me. It's like, oh man, all the ways that this uh, thing has been used to like contribute to the myth-making of what Canada is. But this happened in Canada. Like, police killing black people happens in Canada. Police killing indigenous people happens in Canada without without cause, without whatever. Um, the This... Mass murder happens in Canada. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Um, and it this is not the first time that it has happened. It happens. And it happens as a result of the society that allows for the type of organizing that Alec Nisanian was exposed to to work on someone mm -hmm. like him. Mm hmm well, because they they need they need legitimacy. They need to see themselves as as being uh, having a legitimate position from a lot of the perspectives that you would see in the mainstream, though right wing news sphere. Unpack that. Well, I mean, like a lot of uh, like the, a lot of the especially anti feminist rhetoric, um, a lot of the rhetoric uh, around uh, around a woman's role and around what it's like to be a real man. Like these are all forces that that distort the perspective of an individual such that they can find themselves other individuals with the same distortions and, and, you know, even distort themselves even further. One of the statistics that I found very interesting in an article that I wrote for the national observer last week was that 
Uh, at the age of 18 in Canada, uh, women and men diverge quite a lot, and women hit life goals faster than men. And so life goals are like they move out, uh, their education, uh, they might get married or have a child. And so that's, it's quite uneven in the, in, their, in the 20s. But then everything closes in the, in, in the 30s, that men and women catch up to each other with life goals in their 30s. And, you know, you can imagine all the reasons why you might think that is. But for someone who's, for a, a young man who's like 19 and who's pissed that he can't get a girlfriend and he's seeing like girls ignore him or date older men or whatever the fuck bizarre thing that, that they are projecting onto the world as their own internal issues. It's, it's a reminder to me that f for left, for people on the left, what are, like, how do we contend with this stuff? I'm, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not interested in the, in the, in the narrative, the, a lot of the right wing narrative, which is like, how could we have saved him or helped him or got him a girlfriend or, or anything like that? But it's like, we're so, we're f it's not the concern. No, 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 no. But we're, so, well, unless we could have stopped him from murdering people, but it's that, that's a frame that I think is again, far too restricted to the individual. But what what are we doing to society that is transforming the way that young people come into the world? And it's it, anything from, you know, lying to them about going to higher education, university or college and paying tons of money and then indebting them or not being able to get them to move out of their parents' house because it's just too expensive. And so you're kind of stuck with mom and dad and that sucks. Or other like the, the lies about what it is to be a real man. It is so multi-layered and I am a little bit in despair about how ill-equipped progressives are to talk about these issues. Yeah, I and you know what? Uh, there's a lot of misogynists in the progressive world too. <laughs> right? Let's like Well yeah. Let's let's not forget about that. Um, you know, even in the the types of things that you were going through last week, there was people who I believe would call themselves progressives, maybe, who didn't get it, didn't understand it. And you know, every single time I've been through something like this, there's always people who are progressive who don't take this seriously, like don't think that this is a real issue. It's a like, uh, yeah, it's something that we have to contend with. Uh, it's something that we have to grapple with. And, um, you know, I, you know, in, in the progressive left, you know, men still rule the day despite uh what you know people might think who are not in this world like who like have been tweeting at you and I in the last couple weeks um men still rule the day and so um I think that's part of the reason why we don't have an effective way to talk about it we have a common way mm -hmm. to talk about it there are the the right notes that you need to hit if you're at a conference or if you're being interviewed or if you're talking somewhere, but we don't actually have like any sort of plan to deal with these things. And even from just like a, you know, from an institutional standpoint, if you work in some sort of institution, whether that be, you know, like a workplace, a union, a, a school, a hospital, something, you should have some sort of plan as to how to deal with something like this, uh, some misogynist behavior, mm. and how to support women who are experiencing misogynist behavior. Like, that that should exist. But in many of the institutions that I interact with, I, 
know that these things do not exist in any real way. Like maybe there's a policy written somewhere that's like, you know, women are welcome or some really nice flowery language, right? But no actual way, institutional way to support women right. who are experiencing um, some sort of targeted attack. And, you know, that's, this is what we mean when we say that uh, these things need to be grappled yeah. with. Yeah. And, and, and I don't even know where you start. Cause like part of it's the leadership part of it is, um, is just the dominance of, of a lot of voices. Uh, there's, there's like, there's a bit of a generational thing too, because you know, the internet's a bit of a weird place and we interact with it differently based on who we are and our location to the internet. Right. And so it seems like kind of a bizarre, like, I don't really understand much of what I've read about the incel movement, <laughs> I feel kind of like, oh, finally I'm a little bit old. <laughs> I don't get the way the internet's being used by 25 year olds, maybe. But yeah, like I, I saw one, I saw one uh, guy on the left make a big uh, point on Facebook last week about how ridiculous it is to even talk about the fact that mass murderers tend to be men, and and how inappropriate that is. What's the point of even talking about that? That doesn't. That's not. That's not progressive. What? That's <laughs> that's just identity politics, right? Um, oh my god! Yeah, seriously, and and so, like, men, men. If you are listening to this episode, let's just let's just spend the next five minutes because I think that'll be probably all the rest of the time we have talking to the men. Do we have to? What are? Do we what? have to? Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> what men? What are you doing to talk to other men about this stuff? What are you doing to talk to young men about this stuff? Or what are you doing? Like, what, what, how are you organizing to talk about these things? Or is it always just about power and how you can, like, find a way to get a, that job or to get that position or to ignore some of these difficult issues? Because you can't ignore them because they don't affect you every single day. Like, what, what are you doing, guys? <laughs> the, the question is so important because there are other men out there who are doing a lot. They're doing a lot and they're starting incel movements and they're starting pickup artist stuff where they're like traveling the world, like having events about being a pickup artist or they're doing yeah. the men's rights thing where they're like publishing the names of women who like tell lies about men and their photos online and go find them, go find her. Like there, there's a lot of men talking to each other on the internet and they're, they're doing a whole lot of organizing. So like what where's the where's the other men yeah at though like and then and also if you think that this is all like a, some identity politic thing that we shouldn't be talking about that's really great instead of telling Nora that why don't you tell the incel people that why don't you just focus your thoughts there like I just don't understand what you think you're doing by being like Nora Nora, that's the wrong way to think about this. Let's not think about this this way. This isn't about men. Like, just go tell some men who are on the internet to stop, you know, doing their thing. <laughs> like, do that. Focus. If you're one of the people who are like identity politics, blah, 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 blah. Just go, go to the Reddit, to the 4chan, and yeah. you tell them men to stop seeking each other out that's what we need you to do it's like that college statistic of um how uh what is it like only four or five percent of men commit like 80 percent of the rapes or something like it's just a, a huge disparity disparity uh, discrepancy <laughs> Ooh. 
uh, between the the two. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> interesting. Word. But from like the perspective of the person who has been raped, it doesn't really matter. Like, it, like it, then it becomes yes, all yes, all women, right? Not all men. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it's like men; these men are acting on your behalf. <laughs> Help us out, like identify where what. I I don't get like I I actually am in men's worlds a lot more than women's worlds just because of my extracurricular activities have brought me there, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh and so I do I do know like men interacting with each other and I've seen interesting kind of correction of behavior in one instance where someone used uh, homophobic language when he was really angry and stormed out of um of the space and a couple of weeks later uh everyone was gathered around and he apologized to everybody mm. and it was so normal and basic but i was like wow mm-hmm. i did not expect mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and everyone else was like that was cool that was cool um the apology could have been a little better but it like it didn't matter because he, he apologized and it was like okay cool but if I'm struck by that being out of the ordinary, like, God, we, we really do have to pick up our game. And, and and especially men on the left who think that they're major organizers. It's like if you're organizing on a campaign that's successful, like the fight for 15, mm-hmm. um, that's great. Maybe you should think about how to use some of the tactics that you're just doing basic organizing to, like, focus on other men and talk about some of these mm-hmm. issues. Honestly, where's that? Please do, oh, man. It's like the stakes, the stakes are really high. Like people, people get hurt. Like the, I keep coming back to this because I, I just am. Every single time that I've been confronted with this, I'm just struck by how many people think that it's not a big deal. That it's like, oh, the internet, the internet, the internet. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. This stuff never, never becomes real. Well, it becomes real, and we've seen how it becomes real. Like we, there's countless examples of this type of internet organizing jumping into in real life and prior to the internet it it jumped into Mm -hmm. real life all the time and this stuff is real and we have to take it seriously when people are saying this is happening to me or this is happening online or hey I need some support here and we need to take it seriously when there's a pylon that's happening that's meant to silence women yeah, I have to say, like the the most support that I got from men were men I didn't, I don't know, were from strangers, um, who I interact mm-hmm. with maybe on Twitter or who I've you know once or twice or or maybe regularly. But it it was, yeah, men, men. That sucks, eh? I like I've, I I yeah. had that experience, um, uh, doing BLM stuff, doing student union stuff, where. Like, you'd think that it'd be people that you know who would be the ones reaching out to support you. And then you realize, oh, there's a lot of people that I don't know who are coming out to help and support. And some of the people I do know, like, where your actions aren't really jiving with how you talk about yourself, how you think about yourself. And that's, it's really, it's like, such an awakening when that happens to you so like i'm sorry that you had to go through that Mm -hmm. obviously like it's uh it's kind of painful so you have that realization about people that you consider to be comrades but these people need to be better we all need to be better 
and just for an example of how important this kind of thing is, like I do, I do want to mention like Matthew Murphy Perron put out like the article that helped to kind of give perspective on on my situation after the after the Twitter storm, and that was so helpful. Mm-hmm. And there was only one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and and then David Gray Donald, and then David Gray Donald, of course, yes, and that was and that was just, but that was straight up reporting, right? Which mm-hmm. is also great and important. Um, uh, and, and help to track exactly what was going on. But guys, like a lot of you, right. <laughs> what the fuck? Anyway, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. It, it's not it, this, like we will continue this discussion for sure, because there's obviously other things to say, but this, this is a moment where there's a lot of women talking a, a lot about, about misogyny and, and pretty much everything I'm seeing is great. Like, there's great introspection. There's great calls to action. Uh, there's great analysis. But, um, but guys, like, don't don't leave the women to be the ones fighting violence against women. Like, come on. I promise you, you will not get attacked as hard as we do online if you do if you say something. <laughs> I promise you, like, if that's what it is, that's like making you feel like mm, maybe now's not the time. No, 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 you do it. Yeah, I yeah. promise you, you will not. Nope get attacked the way that we will get attacked nope. when we publish our shit. Yeah, you can keep posting pictures at your kids. 